so it was a really big part of our lives, and we're really, really proud of it. He yeah. made um, wire frames for lampshades. Okay. And every time I told, would tell people that, they would go, huh, I guess people do do that, right? <laughs> and um, with, my, with my father's business, unfortunately, um, trade with China um, and the mass production of <clears throat> frames for lampshades um, really put them in a difficult spot. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 195 of the Command of Voice. Today, I speak with a certified business advisor with the Small Business Development Center. Please welcome Christina Hines. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Command of Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, and hope you guys are having a good week. Um, Over the weekend, my family and I, uh, minus one child, got to go over to Friday Harbor. Um, My son had a soccer game over there this weekend, but... Unfortunately, uh, waking up to morning of the game, which is when most of the team was coming over on the ferry, uh, many of the ferries were canceled, and so our team did not make it over for that. Um, So unfortunately, we were unable to play the game. Um, Yeah, but uh, still had a great great weekend over in Friday Harbor. Uh, If any of you guys are looking for jobs, um, I hear the Washington State Ferry uh, is hiring. Um, They did not have enough crew to staff. Um, Yeah, so if you're looking for a job, there you go. This this message is paid for by the Washington... I'm just kidding. It's not really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just wanted to do that. Anyways, um, so anyways, yeah. So they, they did not have enough crew to uh, man the ship. So um, please please uh, look to there if you are looking for work. Um, okay. Uh, anyways, we did have a good weekend. Um, we were able to hang out in Friday Harbor. We drove around uh, the island. And um, yeah, had a good time. It, thankfully, we had like a crazy good weather, which is weird in mid-October, but we did. Um, so that was a nice, pleasant surprise. And, uh, yeah, I just, it's always nice to, to head over there. Uh, if you guys haven't gone over there in a while, it's, it's not too far of a drive or ferry if you can make the ferry. And, uh, yeah, it's a fun, fun place to hang out. So, uh, but you can also come hang out on Kameno Island where you don't have to take a ferry. In fact, we have no ferry. Okay done with my plugs. All right, here's my conversation. Um, So I got to talk with Christina Hines, um, who, like I mentioned before, she's a certified business business advisor uh, with the SBDC, or the Small Business Development Center. Um, And she uh, will work with you on marketing, on business plans, on all sorts of other things for free. Uh, She's completely paid for by the county. And so um, she is able to, or by, I think maybe it's Washington state. I forget the, how the funding works, but either way, if you've ever wondered, like, I really want to ask someone about this part of my business or how do I do this part of the finances of my business? Or, you know, I want to come up with some consistent marketing. How would I do that? Uh, and you're a small business, so you probably can't pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get someone that can actually do that on a professional level. Uh, Christina's there. She can help you out. She can help you formulate a whole process. She can meet multiple times with you. It's not like you only get one meeting and then you have to pay or whatever. Uh, you can keep coming back to her and asking her questions. And so, um, when I started talking to Christina, uh, I was like, this is crazy that, that, you know, basically all these small business owners, um, you know, uh, have an advisor for free that they can contact. So I will put her email in the show notes. So um, if you have questions, if you want to set up a meeting with her, be sure to jump down there and do so. Um, it's I think it's really cool. I wish I had known about this earlier. Uh, and it's still in my mind to set up a my own session with her to review my processes and stuff like that. Because any sort of input from an outside party into your business can be so, so helpful. Um, as you'll hear in the podcast, uh, she has a pretty extensive business background, um, has worked up and down uh, the chain of command in, in businesses. Um, and um, But when you're working in your business day in and day out, sometimes you can get really like 
hung up on uh, little things and you can miss the big picture, or you're really stuck on this detailed thing that you think is really, really important. And when you talk to someone on the outside, they're like, I don't think anyone's going to care about that. Um, but they will care about this. And so it can be really helpful to have those, that outside perspective. Um, so for all of those needs and more, uh, Christina is there. So again, I will put her email in the, in the show notes. So um, anyways, I'll let the episode speak for itself from here on out after I, you know, did all of my advertising for the Washington State Ferry. Um, anyways, um, all right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Christina Hines. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command of Voice. Today, I'm here with a certified business advisor with the Washington Small Business Development Center. Welcome to the podcast, Christina Hines. Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank yeah. you for having me here. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Christina. Okay, so Christina is a uh, New Jersey transplant in okay. the state of Washington. <laughs> My husband is active duty. Uh, we've been in Washington State for four years now, a little over four years, actually, mm -hmm. and um, plan to stay here. My husband has another tour here, and then, he, then it's retirement. Okay. So big nice. things coming up. Yeah. Big changes. So Awesome. So what was it like for you growing up in New Jersey? Well, it was a wonderful experience. If you haven't been to New Jersey, our beaches are some of, I know it sounds crazy, uh, but they're some of the best in the mm. nation. And I always preface this with, I'm from the southern part where the farms are. So I grew up in farm towns, um, very small towns, similar to Skagit County towns, actually, okay. very tiny, that just exploded with growth in mm. the 80s yep. and um, became a very big uh traffic mess now, but oh, very right. nice area to yep. live in, um, and go back once a year to visit my family, and actually just got back from okay. visiting, so it was a nice little uh, place to go to for a little bit, less, tr you know, a lot of traffic there, and less here, so yes. I appreciate living in a rural town. Yeah, for sure. What, how was the, uh, like, smoke and everything, because I know all of the East Coast kind of got smothered in it? Yes, yeah, so the, it wasn't bad. Okay. Um, right now, it's not bad at all. It was absolutely gorgeous. We had a couple storms roll in that were pretty okay. gnarly. Yeah. The storms are getting crazier there. Mm -hmm. Lots of wind. Yeah. Um, really strong winds. Yeah. But uh, we don't get that many storms out here, so it was kind of a treat to us to have some thunderstorms. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So, um, so uh, did you grow up, like, all of your childhood in New Jersey, or were you kind of moving around during that time I as well? I did. So okay. I grew up in New Jersey until I was 18 and went off to college. Okay. I went to the University of Delaware, a short 45-minute drive away. Okay. Um, after college, I moved up. So I worked all through college for my dad's business, my uh, dad's family business. My grandfather owned it. Um, my dad was partial owner. Okay. Grandfather was set to retire, and then <clears throat> the business kind of um, went downhill. Okay. I was taught payroll at age 16 and was oh. running his payroll, wow. um, obviously with monitoring yeah. at that age, but <laughs> right. um, ran his payroll and actually worked for him through um, my college years in the summer times, um, doing the admin work, giving my mom a break. Um, also sold jewelry, so I worked in a major jeweler uh, throughout my time in college, and um, that's where I learned the majority of interpersonal skills and customer service skills mm -hmm. and things like this, and just the administrative portions of running um, a business, right? Yeah. Um, after college, I moved to New York City. Okay. Got a job working for a small uh, private equity firm that was... Uh, investing in energy and uh, mobile power generation. Okay. And we had uh, quite a big deal where uh, they won a subcontract with a larger corporation that had the prime contract with the U.S. government mm -hmm. for the relighting of Iraq. Okay. They used mobile power generators. Got it. To supplement the energy grid. Mm -hmm. And so that was quite an interesting process. We went from a team of five to seven people, uh, acquired another company, and all of a sudden we had 30-plus employees and no HR department. Wow. And okay. so I took it upon myself. I just started, you know, with the payroll background and things I was taught from my father's business about how important employees are. That was really something that <coughs> stuck with me. Yeah. And something that I just took into that job and continued. And then from there, moved around on the East Coast to other HR positions, uh, C-level, uh, C-suite 
positions as director of human resources for a bunch of different small businesses. Okay. Ended up landing in Jacksonville working for a special contract with Winn-Dixie okay. as they reorganized um, their, their business and uh, met my husband. Okay. And then moved to the West Coast. <laughs> Very cool. So when you were in, in uh, as a kid growing up, um, was business something that was something that was interesting, like an interest point for you, or was it just a way of life? Because in a small business, you're kind of wrapped up in it. I think I got a good view of what it was like to work for somebody else mm-hmm. and what it was like to own your own small business. Yeah. Um, my dad's business was very prominent force in our lives. We were kind of always there. My mom worked there. My dad worked there. My grandfather worked there. My grandmother worked there at some point. My uncles worked there. My brothers. Um, so it was a really big part of our lives, and we're really, really proud of it. He yeah. made um, wire frames for lampshades. Okay. And every time I told, would tell people that, they would go, huh. I guess people do do that, right? <laughs> and um, with my with my father's business, unfortunately, um, trade with China um, and the mass production of <clears throat> frames for lampshades um, really put them in a difficult spot. Yeah. And um, there wasn't much you can pivot to when when you have one product, right? Right. Um, and back then. There weren't all these artistic ideas flowing. Yeah. And um, I can remember feeling really stuck. You know, how do I help my dad's business? Yeah. What can we do? And, and, and there just really wasn't a way to pivot into anything else. And he ended up shutting down his business, I believe. Um, I want to say I was probably 24, 23, 24 years old. So okay. early in my career. Um, but it was always something that stuck with me. The yeah. entrepreneurship. Um, and then even beginning my, 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 what I call my rear, real career, moving up to New York City, yeah. working for a small, again, a small business owned by two individuals and their families, um, it was really something that felt comfortable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I moved into more corporate environments, I, I did learn that where I prefer to work is with small business yeah. and in what capacity. And so I knew I'm gaining all this information, right, from being in a corporate position or, or, or working for a small mom and pop shop. Now, um, when I moved out to the West Coast, I thought, as a mil- military spouse, moving around so often, what am I going to do with all this knowledge I have? What type of positions am I going to, how am I going to leverage this yeah. to, get, to get my next um, really high impact position. And um, I ended up getting my master's degree in mass communications okay. um, from the uh, University of Florida. Okay. And then I landed a job with Pratt & Whitney in their Aeropower division. Aeropower, can't even say that. Aeropower division. <laughs> uh, they make APUs for aircraft and also some missile technology for DOD. Okay. And that was a really eye-opening experience. Um, after that, I had kids, so I took a break. Yep. Took a break. Sort and, of. Uh, it's not really yeah. taking a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I worked in a different realm, a completely different realm with uh, babies. And then we moved up to Washington and thought to myself, I have all this knowledge. This job came across for with the Washington Small Business Development Center, and it was literally everything I had talked to my mentor about. I had a really great mentor through American Corporate Partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about this being kind of a unicorn job. She said, there, jobs like this don't exist, Christina. And I'm like, but I, it's got to, right? I got to do something with all of this. Yeah. And um, I started working for the Washington Small Business Development Centers in um, October of 2019. Okay. Wow. What a time. Or 2020, excuse me. Okay. 2020. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, <clears throat> um, so as you've kind of done... You have you worked the gambit of kind of like small business to corporate. Um, I always ask people this because I think in the small business business realm, there's a little bit of a stigma against like corporate because like oh it's big and they're just a yes. corporation. But one thing that always interests me about them is that they function as a as an organization at such a size that I most business small businesses can't fathom. Like we're running around still trying to tell our one person to go empty a garbage can. And then there's this corporate level that they are doing things on these massive scales. So what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned through working with companies, uh, corporate companies? I think um, some of the bigger lessons that I've learned is uh, how to treat employees. 
you know, across the board, that should be something that is pretty universal, in my opinion. Yeah. And getting that experience of um, really getting to dive deep into human resources, what that means for an organization, what uh, being able to influence policy. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we see in the corporate world that um, policies can be kind of against the employment relationship almost, um, where we see small businesses really trying to value those relationships more. And in my opinion, it should be a universal uh, treatment of Mm -hmm. employees. Um, Also the financials, right? So budgeting. Some of the bigger pieces to running a business came from my corporate experience of building a budget. You might look at a corporation say this is gigantic but we're building budgets department by department and then yep. somebody's collating those yeah um, so the experience of learning how to read financials understanding what they mean understanding the big picture of how one action can impact you down the line yeah I think are some of the more important takeaways also customer service mm-hmm. right so how to um, how to speak and communicate appropriately with your customer base mm-hmm. I think is really important um, and that's something that was just inherently taught through the corporate environment, in my yeah. in my opinion, anyway, through my experience. Yeah, nice, very cool. So, um, on top of working in, in small business and corporate, um, you've also done a lot of volunteer work. Um, can you tell us about the the different types of organization stuff that you volunteered with as well? Yes, absolutely. So. Um, One of the bigger pieces uh, that I'm very, very proud of, um, about a year and a half ago, the America's SBDC, who is the accreditation um, organization for Washington SBDC, and and it it holds the accreditation for every SBDC across the state, I mean, across the country, excuse me. Um, They asked for a chair Person. So we have three of us that are co-chairs of okay. the um, America's SBDC Veterans and Military Spouses Interest Group. Okay. Uh, I had them add military spouses because we are such a unique group of uh, individuals who really struggle with careers mm-hmm. and yeah. really have a different view on life, I think, than a lot of people do in, right. in having to constantly reinvent ourselves. Um, so that, that's one I'm really proud of because we're devising ways to impact hiring veterans and military spouses. So it's really important to me. And also supporting those veteran and military spouse business owners, learning each other's trends across state lines, what type of legislation is in place uh, for assisting or making some sort of impact in the process of hiring um, veterans and supporting their entrepreneurial dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, something else that I'm um, just recently uh, departed from, uh, the treasurer of the, our local SHRM chapter. Okay. So that's the Society for Human Resource Management. Okay. Um, also called here, it's Skagit Island Human Resource Management Association. Very long, but it's SHRMA for short. Okay. Um, and that has been absolutely um, near and dear to my heart of helping other HR professionals gain that development that they're looking for and provide educational and training opportunities and really support the organization from the executive level of ensuring all our bills are paid. Okay. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So as as you're working in in nonprofits and then you also have a foot in the business world, how have these kind of um, uh, tied in together? So they intersect in that, um, you know, nonprofits doing their business still need to abide by the basic rules, if you will, of running a business, right? What's so important um, of tracking your expenses, paying your bills on time? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Working in the nonprofit space can be a little bit different, obviously, than running a small business. There's all... different types of rules and yes. I'm into compliance. So one of my big things is okay, what are the what does it say we have to do? Mm-hmm. What how can we operate within those bounds but still produce something that is grander than what we even dreamed of producing. Yeah. So I find I find working with the nonprofits, even getting them started. So I worked with a small group. Um, I graduated from Leadership Whidbey in mm-hmm. 2022. Okay. And um, worked with a small group to uh, we're working to get a nonprofit started to impact mental health awareness and suicide prevention. Yeah. On Whidbey Island. Okay. 
um, that process has been really important uh, to be involved in because I have the business, I bring the business side of things. Yeah. Okay, how do we get started as a nonprofit? Yeah. Um, which was a learning process for me because I don't, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I've prior to my experience recently, I hadn't worked in a nonprofit or for a nonprofit to know that there's all these other rules and right. that you have to abide by. <laughs> um, but the bottom line is that there's, it's still a business and you're still running a business. So, yep. so those, those compliance factors are still going to be the same across the board. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that has stood out to me in getting to know, working with nonprofits, um, like with our local chamber, um, or working with non other nonprofits, is that they do the um, a lot of the the funda fundamentals of business are applicable in the nonprofit, exactly. and, and they need to function as such. And where you see issues in nonprofits is when they don't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You see the same issues when they're not abiding by those fundamentals or, or don't have a good support system in place right. um, for running that business. And unfortunately, the SBDC, so Washington SBDC, can't advise nonprofits, yeah. which is, you know, it's a whole other realm, too, of learning. So, mm -hmm. so it would be very difficult, I think, for one advisor to hop between the two of advising a nonprofit and, and a for-profit business. Um, but even just st stepping your toes into it a little bit, you realize how much in a nonprofit is just as much of a business as any other small business is. Yeah, for sure. Um, out of curiosity, is there any sort of equivalent to the SBDC for nonprofits? Not that I know of. Okay. Not that I know of. Um, there are a lot of consultants in this area, mm -hmm. um, which was surprising to me there, uh, because we are a rural area. So you don't often see as many resources in these areas as yeah. you do in big cities, right? Um, but there are quite a few uh, consultants in this area who work with nonprofits to try to get them compliant, try to help a lot with their fundraising um, so that they can continue to, to pay for what they need to pay for, even right. if it's the, the basic fundamentals of business, their QuickBooks, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned that you went and got a master's in mass communication. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So um, as social media started to pick up mm -hmm. um, in the, you know, 20 teens, as I say, um, <laughs> I really thought, okay, this is a space that is super interesting. It's brand new. People are impacting the social media marketing space in ways that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was such an excellent chance to learn and be enrolled in a program. And the University of Florida has a specialization in uh, social media management as part of their uh, master's in communications program. Okay. So that's what I was enrolled in with a, is my master's in mass communications with a specialization in social media and digital marketing. Okay. Um, I really thought, you know, this is where I want to take my career. After I graduated, social media became a little bit more overwhelming to me. Yeah. And I realized that is not, I do not want to, you know, put myself in that niche, right? Um, I already had the HR background and experience what it's like to work just in that niche. And I, yep. and I just really didn't want to pigeonhole myself into social media, um, especially since it was starting to feel overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but I found a way to utilize that knowledge in assisting my clients on how to market either social media, what I call an integrated, or what we call in the marketing world, an integrated marketing communications plan, which actually takes all the marketing aspects, traditional, and digital and combines them for the most comprehensive marketing plan that, you know, sometimes social isn't enough. People think, oh, I'm just going to do social media right. and it's going to go viral. And these, it just doesn't happen that way. There's yeah. too much noise nowadays. So we really like to attack from all angles when it comes to marketing. Yeah. And so that educational component wasn't something that I knew prior going into getting my degree in mass communications. Okay. I just knew I liked to write. Yeah. I liked... Uh, the whole social social media, digital media, um, and I wanted to learn more about it. Yeah. And it actually pushed me in my position with Pratt & Whitney. Okay. Um, so that was a big jumping stone for me to try out a communications degree as a communications manager um, on their executive team for that particular location. So. Yeah, very cool. So you, you brought up an integrated marketing plan. What is that something that the SBDC does and helps you kind Absolutely. of build out and work through? Absolutely. So one of the places that we start is with the business plan. Even if a client is not considering 
or doesn't want to consider a loan, we start with a business plan because the business plan will collect all the data we need to build a really firm marketing plan for, for, for that okay. client. And so coming up with that marketing plan is part of the business plan. And so, yes, we also, you know, if a, if, if a client already has a business plan and mm -hmm. doesn't have a good marketing plan, we would just work on that aspect. Okay, yeah. so what are we going to do? What's your next phase of marketing? What have you tried? What have we looked into? What does it cost? Because the cost is a huge factor right. in determining some of these things. And that's why social media is, uh, people are so drawn to it, because there's a good portion of it you can do for free. Yeah. Right? Whether or not that's effective anymore, or if paying is effective, is up in question, right? Yeah. But yes, we, we will assist clients with that entire process and even teach them how to use some of these platforms. Mm -hmm. So in, in marketing with small businesses, um, this is a question I, I come across a lot um, in my own business and, and thinking about marketing. Um, as a small business, you're likely not going to end up becoming this national brand or, you know, some people that may be their goal, but some people most likely for a vast majority is not. So what do you feel is the importance of a good marketing strategy and plan versus really pushing that branding out? And how do those, how do those work together? But how do those work together specifically in a small business that likely will never, never go, you know, national? Well, it's really important in marketing to have consistency mm -hmm. across the board, right? So one of the reasons you build this plan is to make sure that you have consistency, consistency in both your voice, in your brand documents. Um, people recognize logos. Logos are important because people visually will make a decision about something before even realizing, before even thinking through it. And the point of logos is, is, is really to represent your entire brand in just this little picture, right? So you're, so you're recognizable at, at all times with this logo. Um, Having that plan in place allows you to stick to what's going to work the best for your company. So there's some market research that goes into this. Where should you be participating in marketing? Mm -hmm. You need to look at who your target market is. Where are they hanging out? Because if I'm going to market candles, maybe I'm going to be on Etsy a whole lot. But if I'm marketing something maybe like basketballs, I'm not going to be on Etsy. Is my clientele really going to be buying basketballs on Etsy? Probably not. Right. Or Pinterest or something uh, along those lines. Um, hammering that out in the beginning is going to save a business a lot of time and money, potentially. Yeah. They want to make sure that they're in the right place, talking to the right audience, so that they're not wasting this precious time because owning a small business is so administratively uh, intense mm -hmm. and so time consuming. We don't want to waste that time doing something that's not going to bring any type of sale to fruition. Right. Um, we really talk about those conversion factors too when we talk about having that marketing strategy mm -hmm. and understanding what those conversion factors are. Okay, so do I need a website? Yes, you need a website, but I'm not going to sell online. That's okay. We still want you to have a presence. These digital uh, pieces, these digital marketing pieces, produce validity for your brand. People want to buy from who they can trust. Yeah. They want to buy from somebody who's going to be there. And building that marketing plan produces that comfort level for the customers or, or future clientele. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and I totally, I, like, I totally agree with that in the sense that um, the amount of businesses that will send you an email like, hey, you know, would love to sell our product there. Would love to do this. And you're like, oh, great. Send me your website. Well, I've only got a Facebook. Yeah. And you're like, eh, I don't know that I want to do business with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that's why it's important because bringing this all together, all the pieces together and, and being everywhere so people can find you anywhere mm -hmm. is really important. Um, and going through that, hammering out that plan is, is what's going to keep you on track and yeah. not wasting that time, not wasting that energy and money on the wrong, spa wrong spaces. Yeah. Pretty much. Very cool. Yeah. So in that, um, for, cause I'm assuming you probably work with a lot of main street businesses or brick and mortars and things like that. Um, how do you see them as far as, because, you know, a lot of them don't don't have online as far as sales or things like that. Right. Um, how would you say the best way for them to understand if their, their online marketing and social media marketing is having an impact or not? So there are ways to tell um, 
by how many followers you have. You, you actually have um, tracking systems built into a lot of these digital platforms that allow you to see, like you've heard of Facebook Insights. It allows you to see who's visited your page, what they've kind of done on your page. And also having your website analytics will tell you where people came from. Mm -hmm. If they're coming from your social media, then your social media links, it's going to tell you that give you an idea of how effective it is. Obviously, all of these cannot catch everything and there's ways around it. There's bounce, the bounce backs of people who click through and then bounce right back out because that maybe that's not where they wanted to be. So not all the analytics are 100% reliable, but it does help give you a view of how well these are doing. How many people have seen your page? Mm -hmm. um, that's just going to help be a... a, a Essentially, a, it's a persona, yeah. a digital persona of your business, so people can rely on that. That person's real. That person's there. Um, where can I find them? Downtown Main Street. Okay, great. You know, I saw them. I saw your post on Instagram that you have lots of strawberry picking to do or, or available right now. Yep. Um, in fact, this just happened. Somebody just bought the Blueberry Farm out on Whidbey Island. Um, Blueberry Farm, it's next to uh, a K&R farm stand. Okay. And they posted on social media, hey, guys, we just bought this and our bushes are overflowing. Please come. Each person gets two pounds free, right? If anything, that's going to be a huge piece to their marketing next year. People are yeah. going to remember that. You know, so having a website for them is going to be something that's going to be key to keeping their business up and running and reminding the community that they're there. Yeah. Nice. So another question, follow up to that um, in the realm of marketing, especially in the digital marketing side, what where do you put the importance level on building your email list? So um, building your email list is important. Um, I tend to lean towards the side of being very cognizant of how you communicate mm -hmm. and how intrusive you might be, right? So back in the day when there was cold calling, yeah. right, how did we feel about that? And so there's an aspect to that with digital mark with email marketing that clients should be aware of, right? They don't want to be intrusive. Mm -hmm. um, but it is really important to build that list because it is a way for you to, you know, on a TV, you can just hope people are listening to your ads, right? Right. Email takes it to another level where you can have them participate in your ads. You can have them click a link and go make a conversion, whether it's to a service-based business or a retail business. They it tells them what you're up to, what you're doing. It reminds them that you're there. And yeah. that's why we see the Children's Place sending out six or seven sale emails every day and driving <laughs> me crazy. But it works, right? And we're like, oh, where am I going to go buy jeans? Oh, yeah. I remember I saw maybe I have a coupon co code for them. Let me go back and check my email. So yeah. building those email lists is really important because it allows you to be able to contact your customers in real time with the information you want them to see then. Yeah. 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 And, I, and actually something I've, I, I would say probably been working on over the last few, couple years, I guess, um, is when it comes to e things like email marketing, I was, you know, for a while I was signing up for a bunch just to kind of see how they do their email marketing. But um, lately I've been like really conscious of when I do sign up, but it's nice because then when I look at my promotions tab, the yeah. things that show up, I'm like, oh, I'm actually interested in this email. What do they have? What exactly. new things are coming out? What deals do they have? And yeah. um, I actually kind of use it as a, like, go through. And when they pop up, I'll, I'll shop through them real quick. And I'm like, okay, great. I don't need to go to a website. I don't need to go do anything. I look real quick. If I'm really interested, I'll click through. Otherwise, I'm like, great, cool. I'll wait for the next email. Yes, exactly. And and, and it's really effective. We used to say email is not dead. That was our, That was our... Uh, motto in yeah. school for our master's program was email is not dead. Don't forget about this. It's really important to have that as part of your strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've always heard it said like uh, the email list is the only list that you own. It's not something that Facebook or Instagram or anyone else owns. And so they can't kick you off it when they decide 
you for some reason crossed the line that you didn't know you could cross. Exactly. And, you know, there are regulations around the com email communications yes. that small businesses need to be aware of. Um, but again, working with an SBDC advisor, we're cognizant of those things. So that's something that we bring up. Okay, how are you going to allow somebody to unsubscribe? You need to have that in there. Yes. Um, that is one of the, the major rules. And, and that just adds another layer of things that small business owners need to learn. And it, the list is just extraordinarily long for entrepreneurs, right? And um, so it's really important to have somebody in, in your corner saying, hey, what about this? What about this? Uh, you need to, to address some of these things if you're, if you're going to take on some of the digital marketing space. Yeah, very cool. So in working with all of these small businesses and entrepreneurs, um, what are some of the biggest challenges they face uh, and how do you address them? So some of the biggest challenges that our small businesses are facing, um, it, it, this is very multifaceted, right? Because mm -hmm. we're right now, post-COVID era, so many things are changing. And I actually was listening to one of your podcasts earlier today, and you and you had mentioned that, that you know, this is the, probably the first year where we're really just going to get a good baseline for what's the new normal, yeah. right? Because the last two years, in, in being in recovery after uh, COVID changed so many things, and um, in addition to that, how people work has changed. Yeah. We see a huge, huge migration into more hybrid schedules and more remote positions. Um, but that's not going to work for, for a lot of small businesses, right? A lot right. of small businesses <laughs> need people in person. And so um, that has been a huge challenge. Uh, staffing for small businesses has right. been a really big challenge. Um, Overall, though, I think the overarching challenge for small businesses is they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And that causes some problems. One could be a compliance issue. But number two, it really impacts confidence levels. And you see people avoiding topics that they really need to address because they just don't know the answers and yeah. they don't know where to find the answers. And they also are afraid a little bit to ask that question because they don't want to open up a can of worms. Yeah. And that's where the Washington SBDC fits in. I think yeah. um, we fill some of those gaps, those yeah. knowledge gaps um, and provide that comfort level to our, to our clients so that they can ask these questions without fear of any reprisal. <clears throat> our confidentiality policy really keeps us, um, their information under lock and key so that they can come to an advisor and say, hey, this is what's going on. I need to learn more about this. I have no idea how to do this. Lending. You would think, a lot of people think that everybody just knows the lending world and how to get funded. <laughs> and the truth is there are so many businesses don't, so many more don't know how to do it mm -hmm. than know how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a really big challenge. It's, it's that educational component. Um, it really stands in the way of that small business, their growth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think the, the thing within small business um, is that there are a lot of things that are more flexible than we would think they would be. Yes. Um, and I think we have this fear. I know I did. Um, sometimes I think very defensively and I'm like, well, if I do that, will I get sued? Or like, is yeah. that illegal? Or, and I'll talk to my CPA or I'll talk to different business people that I know. And they're like, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, it feels illegal. <laughs> and they're like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It feels like I shouldn't do it. But analyzing those things with a small business advisor. Um, so what I do and what our network is, there's 34 of us certified business advisors throughout the state, mm -hmm. give or take 34. Um, it allows us to leverage each other's knowledge. And yeah. there's about two or three of us that have um, a really strong HR background. So currently... When I have an advisor across the state who's having a really big HR issue, wants to ask questions about, can I do this? Can I do, you know, is this okay? What is the trend on this? Yeah. Um, if it is compliant, what are employees saying about this policy? Do yeah. they like it? Is it helpful? We get to kind of collate all that information from different organizations, but also I have advisors that come to me from across the state just to deal with HR issues. Like, mm -hmm. hey, really big HR issue. Can we hop on a call and let's talk about how we, how we handle this? Um, so it's a really cool network in that sense that we are actually a network, being able to leverage each other's knowledge. And if I don't know something about farming or restaurants, I'm going to go and ask another advisor to hop in on a co-advising session to be able to give that knowledge to my, to my clients. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's wow. very cool. And I think um, HR is probably one of the stickiest, you know, oh, things that you have to deal with <laughs> because it's there's uh, there's people involved. And um, I've heard it said by one business guy that says uh, business is simple until you get people involved. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And everybody's different. So you're dealing with a host of personalities, yeah. a host of uh, different experience, life experiences. Yeah. Um, how people interact with each other can be different. And then we have compliance pieces, too, to worry about. Yep. Then we have trending, right? So how do we compete with each other? Uh, what are the other local businesses doing to retain staff? Right. Uh, how are they handling health insurance? It's so expensive. All of these little pieces have to fit together under the realm of HR. Yep. And it can be really difficult to navigate that alone. Yeah. Well, and that's something I, when I've talked to either my team or different small business owners and um, is one, we have to come to the realization, realization that we cannot compete with the large businesses, uh, you know, retailers, uh, you know, McDonald's, some of these, yeah. um, you know, we've, I've been asked before, like, Hey, well, I just heard that McDonald's is hiring for $22 an hour with benefits and education. And I'm like, and they, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And we will never be able to compete with what they're doing. Yeah, And, and that is super, super difficult. Um, it took an especially uh, f uh, forefront position right after COVID. Yes. Um, when there was this mass just exodus of people from the job market who decided to retire early. Um, also people changing jobs into more uh, flexible positions that worked for their lifestyles. It also brought to the forefront that this life is, is ours, right? right? It's time to live it the way we need to live it, want to live it. And yeah. um, so that all funneled into staffing issues. And then when we see these larger corporations being able to raise um, what they're paying minimums, what type of benefits they're offering, it really does impact our small businesses locally. Right. Yeah. Well, and one, one of the things I want to, I've stressed when I've talked to either my team or other businesses is, is the fact that the difference between what we offer as a benefit to our team is that they are working with the owner, is that we are training them in skills that they could take to a bigger group or whatever, and right. they'll be able to take those skills with them, um, and that we really care about each and every one of them in how we're doing this. You know, on that flip side, you see some of these big companies, corporations, where people are just a number on a page. And so exactly. laying off 10,000 people is just a number on a page. To them. Exactly. And small businesses are in a really unique position to be able to take what we call corporate responsibility um, seriously at a small business level, right? Yeah. Providing training opportunities, providing learning opportunities. As a small business, you have the ability to let people see how a business is run. Yeah. You know, you have, a, and whether or not it's to enhance their career moving forward in, in a corporate space or an entrepreneurial space, yeah. you are adding to a better society as a small business owner teaching business uh, fundamentals mm -hmm. to your employees. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so as, as you worked with a lot of different small businesses, um, like startups or established businesses um, or specific industries, um, how do you kind of approach each one um, differently? So I look for similarities. Okay. Right? So first you look for similarities. How is this business like another business that I've worked with? In what ways? Right? So what we're getting at is um, obviously there's going to be compliance pieces that are going to be the same across the board. And then in different industries, there's different compliance pieces. So it's really important when I have a new client in an industry that I'm not super familiar with, it's a lot of background work to learn that industry, to learn what type of rules and regulations um, we need to be aware of, you know, so if we have a contractor that comes to me, I need to know, okay, how do, how do, how do we get this person compliant and get their licensing correct and with labor and industries? Um, how do we make sure that they can continue their small business as they move move forward and grow yep. um, without any type of mandatory fines or in any type of trouble, right? Yeah. So, um, for me, it's one of the most interesting parts of this job. I love to learn new industries. Mm -hmm. It's something I haven't seen before. Um, it's a little scary yeah. because, ah, what do I do? What do I know about this? Okay, time to learn. So it's this uh, SBDC allows us to have that professional development time to really be able to learn the industries in which our clients are um, participating in. Yeah. 
I think what's been interesting to me as I've looked at different businesses, um, you know, I, I think one great thing that I think a lot of small businesses should do, even if they're not in a position to do so, is to look at sites like Biz, Biz Buy Sell or look at these businesses because you start seeing models. You start yes. seeing how, okay, this type of um, business in this industry, you're going to have some sort of cash flow and it's going to kind of look like this yes. if it's running healthy. And then I think it's really helpful because then you can start comparing it and contrasting with your business and your numbers and saying, oh, I'm out of whack here or I'm doing much better than the industry average right here. So I'm, something's going right. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, I have clients that come in sometimes and say, oh, well, this is supposed to be at 20%. And I'm at, you know, 10. I'm doing really well. But that doesn't necessarily translate. So just looking at percentages of what a typical small business will do in, say, um, wages or um, just general overhead expenses is not going to be the same or rent across the board. So it's right. really important to know that there's differences and, and you can migrate as long as your cash flow is still uh, really healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously we, we try to shoot for what is typical, but what we find is that a lot of industries are not typical. Yeah. So it's really, really something that needs to be hammered out through profit and loss statements. And that's one of the things that we go over with clients is sit down and read their profit and loss statements, teach them what it means, teach them what the difference between um, their net profit is and cash flow. You have a lot of seasonal businesses in this area, which makes it really, really important, especially on Whidbey Island, yep. to understand your cash flow yep. and what's going to happen in those months where, where, where the summer slows down, Yeah, um, how to conserve that cash yeah. to be able to afford those other months. Right. So in that, because obviously Kamano would be our very, they're tied by county and they're separated by lots of land and roads. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but from a, a tourist and stuff like that, they are similar in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, for those seasonal businesses, especially for people on Kamano, you know, there's a lot of mom and pops um, or brick and mortar stores here and they see that kind of ebb and flow. Right. How do you, how do you talk with them about that, you know, that January month where it's always on the red, no matter what you do, there's no budgeting that fixes that. And how they, how do you kind of, uh, work through that, that piece with them when they're going through that? A big piece is going to be just conserving that cash from the summertime and being, or the season if it, whether or not it's summer or not, but, um, conserving that cash, making smart decisions during the, their busy seasons so that they have enough cash to cover those months that are in the red. And also looking into other um, revenue streams that may be considered to bring up uh, some more revenue in those slow months. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's not possible for all businesses. Right. Um, but it is something to look that we encourage small businesses to look into. Think outside the box. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that says you have to do it this way other yeah. than if there's a law about it. <laughs> um, but typically, those revenue streams, they can be added in, and, and it's just... Uh, we give a more holistic view of, okay, so this is what your business looks like in June. How do we ensure that in January you can pay your bills? Yeah, very cool. Um, so with small businesses having these, these limited resources, both in time, money, all of these things, how do you uh, kind of work with them to help prioritize and balance all of these pieces to ensure that they continue to grow and they remain sustainable? Um, so we basically work through that business plan first. Okay. And then one by one, as um, the next stage comes up, we start start thinking about the next stage early, right? And often, and then put to, brainstorming is really important. You know, throwing spaghetti at the wall is a process that I think is necessary for achieving growth. Mm -hmm. um, going into that next stage, looking at where do they want to go, right? What What's that going to cost them? Yeah. Um, what could it possibly gain them? And putting those numbers on paper, taking our best guess, doing some market research to support those, those best guesses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to try to produce the best projection we can uh, for their growth, to be able to guide them to make those impactful decisions. Um, but I think the education that they receive working with an SBDC advisor uh, gives, puts them in a position to be able to make those decisions on their own yeah. much better because they start thinking, uh, you know, they're not staring uh, straight ahead anymore. They're kind of 
now doing this uh, 180, 360 view of what business looks like for them and their and uh, moving forward for their growth. Yeah, very cool. Um, something that my, my dad has, uh, so my dad was a serial entrepreneur. He started this business and the coffee roasters next door. Um, but one of the things he's always talked to me about is kind of these like brackets that you run into in a small business that like you kind of hit these levels where you plateau a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in that plateau, you're actually fairly profitable and, and it's a good window to be in. And as you try and climb to that next level, it's almost like a hill until you get to the next plateau. Right. And sometimes you, you find out that based on whether it's uh, what the market is able to service and all that stuff, it's healthier to actually not grow than to try and push to that next level. Exactly. Okay. And that's something that we analyze to make sure that people are not jumping into something that's not going to be fruitful for them. That's going to be more of a hindrance to their profits, right? Um, we also encourage um, our clients to talk to lawyers and accountants to ensure that their tax strategies and that any type of contract-related business mm-hmm. is all covered so nothing comes up later on in their growth phase at the worst time, right? right. Um, when you're super busy trying to make, you're trying to climb this hill, make everything <laughs> work. Um, but it's really important to assess the cost data, the, the projected revenue data before you enter that next stage of growth just to ensure that it makes sense. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest pitfalls and mistakes that you see small business owners making? Um, I would say spending money without knowing the true cost mm. of, uh, of doing business. Yep. Um, that can be just really, really detrimental at a, a lot of different levels. One, uh, on cash. A lot of people dump cash into a business that they can't do anything with now. Yeah. Right. And there's no options for them. There's no loan options. There's no funding options. What um, a lot of people don't realize and what, Nobody teaches about the the lending process, really. And they don't talk about the fact that most banks have a a number of years in business requirement in order to get a commercial loan. A lot of people start out as entrepreneurs, think, okay, I'm just going to get this. I'm going to work out some of the business details, and I'm going to go right to the bank. I'm going to get a loan. I'm going to get this started. It's going to be wonderful. But they need to do the work that that exists between those two things, between the idea and then going to a bank. Will this idea even work? And I think what we see, um, especially lately, and and what came out of the pandemic, uh, different organizations really trying to educate small business owners. Um, We had the Rain Boot Camp that was here um, just recently, providing some of that knowledge to small business owners. Is your idea viable? Mm -hmm. What is it going to cost you? I've had a lot of clients that never opened businesses. They came and saw me, we did cost analysis, said, this is going to be really way too expensive. they don't have the capital to make it happen. They're probably not going to get it from anywhere. So what, what's the next step? And yep. a lot of people have chosen, you know what? I love the idea. I'm going to wait until I can maybe find a location to move my business in rather than create a whole new location. Um, and so we see a lot of um, small businesses that want to do the work and learn all these things. Yep. And ones that don't realize, again, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't realize what's on the other end. You climb this hill, but you don't know (laughs) if it's going to be a drop-off or is it going to go back downhill? What's going to happen once you get to the top? Right. Yeah, and I think one of the the big things when it comes to small business, um, and again, I think we mentioned this already, but during the pandemic, people realized, oh, this is my life. I get to choose what I want, mm-hmm. um, is, is that peace. Uh, there's always an ability to go out, make more money and do these different things. But you also have to decide, what do I really want? What, what level am right. I happy with? Um, right. Sometimes with, with business in general, we see this kind of infinite climb to the top that we just want to keep going to the next level, the next level. Um, with sometimes where we're at is fine. And as long right. as we're doing good stewardship and managing it well, um, you're going to have a better quality of life and you're going to be happier in where you're at than if you get to that next level. Right, right. And, and that's one of the things, too, people need to assess and really need to look within themselves. What do I want? What do I want for the next phase of my life? Yeah. Um, and those are questions that we ask as we sit there. Um, you know, Not only do we provide that educational and training, but almost in the sense of just having somebody to talk about those things with, um, to really 
kind of jog that piece of your brain to start thinking about really what do I want my future to look like? Right. Is this sustainable for me? What if I don't like it? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Yeah. Right. And we discuss all those things to, to try to get the business owner in a better position. Yeah. Well, and especially for those of you who have kids out there, um, you know, depending on what stage of life, if you're they're newborns, you're sleep deprived, but they don't need you <laughs> there that second. Sometimes that's a time to start growing something. Versus when they start hitting that, you know, that certain ages, they're just, they want to be around you and want to be there. And, um, you know, if you're using that time to grow and build these businesses, you know, they're going to hit 15, 16. They're going to be like, peace, don't want to see you. You know, I'm going to hang out with my friends. Right. Right. So choosing that time too, timing with your kids and all of that. Exactly. It needs to fit in your family circumstances as well. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I know that one well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be easier with, uh, with school-age kids, and I was, I was wrong. <laughs> I was very, very wrong. <laughs> yes. Well, and I have a, a joke with when I talk to different people, uh, we did public school. I was homeschooled, so I didn't really get into that system. But one of our kids, we did public school for a year with them. And I was like, well, at least like Monday through Friday, they're set. They've got their schedule. They're there. Um, I think there's like maybe five weeks in a school year where they actually are there Monday through Friday and any sort of normal normality. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It is not consistent. No. So that was, <laughs> that was eye opening for me. <laughs> um, awesome. Um, so with you, um, what do you enjoy doing on your free time? So I love to sit on the beach, read, hiking, um, really figuring out things to do with my, my children. Mm-hmm. So have a eight-year-old and a soon-to-be seven-year-old. Okay. Two boys who are super active, <laughs> yep. but also they love their um, iPads and video games and stuff like that. So just trying to find fun things to enrich them, yeah. um, especially being of a military background and moving so often, we, we try to see all we can in the areas that we're living in. And, and though we're now here and we're not leaving, I still hold that with me as kind of a just a life view now of doing experiences over, uh, over um, possessions, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so really doing things with them, figuring out how to get outside is really important, um, especially for mental health, being able to separate from the work day. Yeah. Um, but then also I am a lifetime learner. So I'm usually researching something that a client asked me earlier in the week that I just really hadn't had the capacity to look at yet. And it'll be something that I'll be like, you know, let me just check this before I go to bed. I don't know what the, the, if there's any laws about this, right? Let me, let me check. Let me see. Let me see what other businesses are doing. Let me see if I can find social channels for them to follow. Because again, we don't want to have to recreate the wheel. Right. So a lot of times that's, that's, what I do, but, and, and then clean my house because my kids are <laughs> monsters. <laughs> yes. There's, there's always an, always something to clean or, or pick up oh, or yeah. wash or something. Yes, exactly. Um, well, great. What is, what's next for you and what's next for the SBDC, um, coming up? Well, um, so last year we received $1 million in funding from the Department of Commerce Mm -hmm. for the program. Um, It's uh, an amount that's dedicated to education uh, for small businesses. Yeah. Um, So we were lucky to get that. And um, I believe that's uh, something that they're trying to work through again this year, which is just amazing to have the support of um, the state as well as we continue this journey. So we've SBDC has actually been in business in Washington since 1980. Mm -hmm. Um, It was born with the Small Business Act, and we've been here as an educational training arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration since then. Okay. Um, The Economic Development Council for Island County brought this program here to Whidbey and Camino um, in 2020. I was actually the first advisor to to have an office here um, and be able to call this area covered 100% by a dedicated full-time advisor. Um, You know, we're just going to keep on learning and keep on on, teaching our our clients. That's really where our sweet spot is, is helping small businesses make impactful decisions. Yeah. Whether whether or not it's related to growth, whether or not it's related to lending, funding, um, whether or not it's related to staffing issues, you know, HR issues. We are there to help 
people make the best decision possible for their business and their circumstances. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And, I, you know, I love that you guys are, are there and it's a, a free service that people are able 100% to use. 100% free, yes. Um, so the way that we continue to get paid. So we're full, I'm a full-time employee, so I'm not a volunteer. I get paid to do this. Um, the way that the program is funded is through surveys. So that's the only thing we ask of our clients is two surveys a year get sent out asking them questions like, did you have an increase in sales since working with an SBDC advisor? Um, what do you think of your SBDC advisor? Um, you know, did you get any capital funding? So were you able to get a loan or did you have a big injection of cash from your, from your personal um, from the personal side of things, these numbers without any identifiable data is sent to SBA and Department of Commerce in Washington State to to prove to them that we're, we are working, we are doing our jobs. Right now, I've been here for three years. It, it'll be, geez, what year is it? 2023. Okay, yeah. so three years in yeah. October. Cool. And um, I'm already at a $4 million, uh, lifetime um, capital infusion for my clients, nice. meaning clients who've worked with me have had either funding opportunities, uh, increase in revenues to, um, in the amount of over $4 million across both Skagit County, because I'm the lead advisor for Skagit County as mm -hmm. well, um, or, and or Island County. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think, um, I'm hoping more businesses are able to reach out to you um, from hearing this, because I think um, you know, there, I've, I've been part of a, a uh, business group, uh, business coaching group, um, and having someone that you can bounce ideas off, talk to, work through some of these more legal, difficult things um, just has been immense in my business, yeah. I know. Great. And, and that's, that coaching piece is, is so important. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know, and maybe somebody else does know, or maybe yeah. nobody knows. Right. But either way, having a better idea of where you stand is it's going to be important in, in making decisions and also confidence levels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Sure. So the first one is what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? In the uh, ice cream. Ice cream. Yes. So <laughs> my kids are obsessed with ice cream and we just got back from vacation and there was an ice cream shop right next to my parents' house. And so it's just been ice cream. Nice. Ice cream, ice cream, you name it. If we see an ice cream stand, we're there. Nice. We're trying all the ice cream. <laughs> um, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Right now, the most influential person outside of my family. Um, I'm going to say one of my best friends. So one of my best friends was stationed out here with her husband on Whidbey Island um, bunch of years ago, probably about six now, uh, we met in a separate duty station in California. And she told me, I just had to get up here. You have to take orders up to Whidbey Island. <laughs> and um, she works in the nonprofit space. And she is brilliant. And she's one of the people that I go to for advice all the time. Mm. Hey, this is happening. What's your take on this? Um, she's just a wealth of information. And um, I'd love to have her to bounce ideas off of. She's like my little coach on the side, you know, um, because she's just so brilliant. And so that's right now, I would say that, it, that it's her. Awesome. Marilyn Franklin. All right. <laughs> call, call you out. She awesome. actually works for Skagit Valley College right now, too. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. Uh, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Ah, I know this is weird, but I always wanted to, hmm, drawing a blank on this right now. <laughs> what are things that I've always wanted to do? Um, I always wanted to visit um, Romania. Mm -hmm. So my family is, um, they immigrated from Germany, but um, German resident uh, citizens, but they lived um, the majority of their lives in Romania up okay. until the F Russian front came through in World War II, which forced them out of their home okay. and um, actually made them refugees in their own country of Germany. Um, but they lost that home. And the story is just phenomenal of um, their story of surviving the war. Um, and it's just always been a place that I just want to go and see and just feel I'd love to go see their old house. I yeah. think it's still there. Obviously, other people live in it now, but <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be something that I've always wanted to do is check out Romania and um, see where my, 
my family was born and, and grew up most of their lives. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Who's an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Ooh, an interesting or, fa- or fascinating person, let's see, that you should interview next. Let me think about this. Yeah. And if you don't um, have someone, you can also uh, send it to me afterwards. Okay. You know, wise and- um, there are some cool things. It's hard for me to, 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 um, to say who, um, but I will send you, I will send you yeah. somebody on the side that okay. I think would be a great um, fit for your program. Very cool. Awesome. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, my gosh. Um, this is funny because I just listened to, to Jenny's podcast, and I would say the same thing that her husband says, which is it's all going to work out. Yeah. Relax. It's all going to work out um, in the end. And so that is something that I've struggled with. I, I'm a worry wart. I worry about everything, and I'm really trying to rein that in. Um, so that's what I would tell my. I've gotten good control over it over the last couple of years, but as, you know, when you're 20 years old and you're about to graduate college and there's this huge big world out in front of you and it's so overwhelming, I would just say, enjoy it. Try to enjoy it and just know that things are going to work out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then real quick, where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? And, and we'll link all this in the show notes yeah, as well. So you can visit um, www.sbdc.org and request an advisor and um they will send, we do it by uh, location. So they will eventually get to the right person, which is me, if you're on Camino Island or Whidbey Island or in Skagit County. Um, you can also email me at Christina, and that's with a K. So Christina.Hines at WSBDC.org. Or you can email the Economic Development Council of Island County and Sharon Sappington, who's the executive director, will ensure that that message gets to me, as well as our friends over at the Economic Development uh, Alliance of Skagit County. Mm -hmm. They will also be able to get in touch with me. So there's multiple ways to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Brandon. I appreciate being here. Yeah. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Christina Hines for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And again, I put Christina's email in the show notes below, so please reach out to her. She is absolutely free to for business advising, and so um, you know, use your resources. Uh, save that money and uh, reach out to her. So uh, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.